You're listening to the Mindful Leadership Podcast with your host, Jason Cooper, and my very special guest today, the body analyst expert, is Scott Roos. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It'd be appreciated. Hey, good afternoon, good evening, uh, good morning, or wherever you are in the world listening or watching this on any sort of audio podcast. And we're going to be on YouTube as well with this channel. So I'm really excited today. So this uh, is about insightful leadership, um, all about people that have a sort of a gift and employ a brilliant and unusual strategies to great effect. So I'm Jason Cooper. I'm a sales strategist, sales coach. I help sales teams deliver better results by sales training and coaching and lots of other things as well, lots of other fun things. So today I'm really excited because I saw this guy, Scott Bruce, uh, on his uh, YouTube channel and I was absolutely blown apart and I was going, I absolutely love this, and I'm really fascinated in this area anyway because I've studied a lot, a bit of psychology, uh, a, a ton of other things as well. But body language is one of those things that is always intrigues me, and I don't know, it's, it's just a fascinating area. So um, a little bit about Scott. He's going to tell you a little bit more than what I'm going to do. He's a behavior analyst and body language expert. I'm reading, if you if, if you can see, he's an advanced interrogation skills. He's been trained alongside FBI, Secret Service, Department of Defense. He's a consultant to law enforcement and CEOs and businesses. He's also Grammy-nominated producer. I'd like to find out a little bit more about that because that sounds really interesting. That's uh, absolutely awesome. So, Scott, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. How we've been on here talking a few minutes beforehand. Uh, and so that's always my best part of these. Like we were talking about the best part of doing a podcast and you get to goof around and see what that person's really like when you're talking to them. Yeah. And you're, we're really far apart, man. You're like, a, yeah, a well, I'm, part I'm of the in world. Dublin. You're in, um, whereabouts are you again? Uh, today I'm in, in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Ah, Usually I'm in Nashville. Ah, yeah. I'm in Oak lovely. Ridge. And you've got a great backdrop yeah. as well. So I like that. And that's what uh, I, I saw when you was, uh, doing your, um brady brunch uh and, uh the terminology that some people might not know but it's in a square and you're chatting to uh some other experts in their field about body language and interrogation and so on and so forth so scott tell me uh your journey to how you got to be what you're doing right now what's what was this sort of anchor points along the way that said ah oh, this is the career path for me this is something that i like and love well it it's uh it's it's a little it's a little different than most people's. A lot a lot of times you'll see someone who is uh, they'll learn about it and they get into psychology in, in college. They'll get into abnormal psychology and, and those types of things. Mine yeah. started when I was a little kid. I'm I guess six years old, seven years old, and wow. uh, I, whatever grade you're in in the first grade. And uh, there were in in my school, I had a couple of buddies, Robert Bellamy and uh, Billy Elkins. And uh, we'd hang out together. And my dad was the doctor in the town. At the time, there was, I think he was the only one. And the town was Louisa, Kentucky, really little teeny weeny thing. Yeah. And, and my mom would come, uh, and we lived right next door to the school. 
uh, in Louisa. That uh, was through 12 Boone Street. It was right next to the school. And my mom would come and get me, and she'd get my sister, and she'd bring my brother because he was too little for school at the time. And we'd walk down a couple blocks to the hospital, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, where my dad worked. And we'd have lunch with him. And one day when uh, we were having lunch, we actually ate in his office because the place was so small. And it was like it was like two big houses they'd stuck together to make a hospital. And um, so my, we're, we're having lunch, and I looked out into the little waiting room area, and I saw those two guys. I saw Robert Bailey and Billy Elkins. And I said, oh, wow. you know, I said, hey, I, I know those cats, or however you say it as a kid. I said, I know those guys. My dad was like, yeah, so what are they here for? And he looked out and he said, let's see. Uh, Robert has an earache. He's been up all night with his mother. And then Billy, he's just acting like he's sick. There's nothing wrong with him. So he's been pretending he's sick. So uh, we'll get his ear. We'll get Robert's ear, earache taken care of. And then we'll talk mm -hmm. to Billy and they'll go on. I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, well, let's take a look at what they're doing. And so yeah. he pointed out that Robert was obviously, this is so obvious when you're a little kid, he's holding his ear. Did see how he's holding his ear? I was like, yeah. He said, see, I was leaning on his mother. I said, yeah. He said, that tells me that hurts. His ear hurts. And they're trying to get, you know, get his mom to love on him, to comfort him. I was like, oh, okay. And she was patting on him, you know. And then yeah. uh, then he said, now, uh, see, look at this. Look at his mother. See how her hair, because we knew her. See how her hair is not, not as, as nice as it always is. Doesn't look like it's been done yet. And I said, yeah. I said, see how her clothes look a little bit like she just put them on and came down here. And I said, yeah. He said, that tells us that, that she was up all night with him. You know, she was awake all oh, night wow. too. So we know something's wrong at that point. I said, okay, well, so what about Billy? And he said, well, look at Billy. He's, and he was sitting on the bench and his legs were dangling. Says he has legs are dangling. I said, yeah. I said, doesn't look like anything's on his mind, really. He was looking at like Highlights Magazine or whatever those magazines you, you have yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for kids at the doctor's office. He was looking at that and he would he would page through it and keep looking. And then it didn't look like anything was wrong. His mom had lipstick on and she looked nice and looked normal. And then he said, so is how his mother looks normal? I said, yeah. He said, well, he hasn't been up all night and he doesn't look like anything's on his mind. He said, now in just a minute. What's going to happen is his mother's going to say something to him. She's going to reach out and pat him like like uh, Robert's mother's patting him, and she's going to say something to him. And when he she does that, his face is going to change. He's going to make this make this face. Then he'll look up at the uh, um, the teacher or uh, the teacher at his mother, and then he'll look back down. You know, and and then a couple minutes later, the face will go away. So that and that's yeah. exactly what happened. I thought it was magic. So that's what initially got me interested in it. So when I was little. Wow. Tell me all about those things as we went through, uh, as I as I grew up. So that's how I got interested in it. And then as I went on, as you're going through life, sometimes you don't know exactly what you're interested in or not interested in. So I ended up being in the music business. Where I was a record producer for 32 years. And, uh, really? Produced, oh, yeah. Yeah. I produced everything from um, pop acts, and it's some of the worst schlock, and I can say <laughs> it on here now because I'm not in that business anymore, that you've ever heard. Do comedians, you know, everyone from Jeff Foxworthy and uh, Bill Ingvall to all the, 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 I did whatever the big country comedians were. Those are yeah. the guys that I, I ended up, up doing those. But before that, I'd lived in uh, Boston where I went to Berkeley College of Music. And while I was there, I still would read all the books on body language and still be uh, hanging out with people who were into that, the people from MIT yeah. who were into human behavior and those types of things. And then from there, um, 
so that's where I basically learned how to be a producer as well. My roommates and I would put acts together and get them deals and, and do that. At the same time, I was learning how to um, be a business person in that world. Yeah. And after yeah. that, um, I just, I just, I, I retired from the music business and decided to just go ahead and keep doing what I was doing, which was, and you know, at that point I'd done a few interrogations and I, and I talked to people who were friends of mine who were in law enforcement and, and um, talked to them about how to go about uh, interrogating somebody and showed them body language things. And then the next thing, and, and this was, I guess I was 20, 1920. And after that I became a, uh, a trainer, uh, training interrogation body language. And I moved to Nashville where I was still making records. I'd sort of retired. So I was doing my favorite kind of music is bluegrass. I like bluegrass okay. and funk. Love, love Bootsy Collins and love, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, Doc yeah. Watson and, and yeah, all the, the hardcore bluegrass stuff. And I grew up with a lot of those people. So they were my friends since I was a kid. A lot of the bluegrass people. Ricky Skaggs, uh, uh, he's done really well. But he used to live in Louisa, a little town I was telling you about. He used to live there. He's older than me a little bit. But he's done really well. So I've been, I sort of grew up in that music. And my dad's a musician as well. He was a musician in Nashville before he became a doctor. So he did his residency at Vanderbilt. And and um, so we're sort of entrenched there. And then we they ended up moving to uh, Knoxville after that. But yeah. I've always been into uh, been into human behavior. I mean, from a little kid up to today, where I trained law enforcement in the military in interrogation and body life. So, so that must have been a really gel, that's journey it. for you. That's a that's an awesome journey, and um, I suppose dealing with record producers and acts, pop art acts, and all of that, I would have find that quite fascinating with their own body language, really, and really understanding what's going on inside their heads, especially when they're oh, yeah. trying to do a pitch, and especially when they're uh, trying to express themselves back to you, and on all of that. Because I'm sure what you learned along the way must have helped you uh like influence oh, yeah. them and persuade them and, and whatever else that's awesome yeah yeah i think i think that's one of the reasons i excelled in that business is because i could for example we put together little acts little little yeah. music acts and we would try to get them deals at record companies and there would be record companies who would would take an act who who was similar to another act they had and it would be sometimes be so good that they would they would want to take that the other act out of commission so they didn't compete with the act they already have. So they would do a deal yeah. with them and they would keep making their record and doing all these things. If the record would never come out or it would come out two years later with the fad had passed or whatever. So you, they would sign up their competition to keep them from fighting with the ones they already had doing well. And I could see that when we went in and we yeah, ended up yeah. uh, making some decisions that helped a whole lot um, with smacks that we did. And that I did that, that uh, kept that from happening. So that was, uh, I believe a, uh, so that's part of the skill set. And then learn how to pitch. That's where I actually learned how to pitch. I trained entrepreneurs how to pitch at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center from 2011 to 2017. I was the entrepreneur in residence there. One of the things I did was show the new entrepreneurs how to create what I call an investable pitch. And I would yeah. show them it's a story you have to go through. But at the same time, I came up with this thing called the investable slide deck where you could you could take the slide deck and you had everything you needed in it. Still use yeah. it to what I'm training. And it has everything you needed in it. And then how to take your body language uh, skills and put that in there with this. Every person I've I've trained to pitch something, from little children to adults, for uh, doctors, lawyers, um, entrepreneur startups, from hospitals to whatever it is, everyone trained to do that has been funded. 
every person to the to the man to the woman to the child has been funded from 2011 to, to until today actually and i'm over 500 million dollars at this point have, having helped raise that much money yeah so that's that's i've used been able to use this skill set not just in the music business but to help entrepreneurs and help them be successful and and, uh, and so they can help other people as well so how would you do that so um how would you put uh, an entrepreneur or a public speaker or even um uh, a sales director or someone like that to present to their staff or to an audience or to whatever uh to present with uh, a, a sense of power you know amy cuddy did that power super superwoman no it was wonder woman pose and all of that sort of stuff mm. and I've learned and I was told uh, to put yourself into a really good state before you get up and do a, uh, go out and present in front of an audience and the mindset mm -hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. But what, what sort of tactics would you give or advise people to do? Well, there, there are several things. The, the, the key here is what's called open body language, where you use open-handed gesture. When you're pointing to someone, you say, what about you? You don't use your finger. You, I always use this thing, and I, and I always point sort of sideways. Always, what about you? What do you think about that? Why so not? you use, you keep everything. Mark Bowden calls us the truth plane. And it's, it's, it's one of those, those little sections of your body when you're, when you're talking to someone, you want to gesture from that, from that area. So yeah. I teach them to keep your hands right here and to uh, gesture from there. Uh, and, and the mental uh, thing you want to have at the time is you're the one in charge. You're the ones telling everybody what's going to happen next. And you mm -hmm. need their attention for that. And there are certain things you can do to make them pay attention to you as you do that. And I just did three of them. So open handed body language. And I would pause because you're waiting yeah. for me. Is he going to say something? And then you come together and do these things. It's called steepling, but it, yeah. it gives you something to do with your hands and makes you look like, you know, you're, you're in charge. And as you deliver, then you can come outward with your with your gestures as you're giving people this information. So yeah. that's those are the just little tiny aspects of the way you start someone, in other words. And there are so many more things to do and so many things to to teach them and show them how to uh, when you get there, are certain things you look for. A lot of people are in the impression when you when you're pitching something that they want everybody that's watching to be doing this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the last thing you want to see is somebody smiling at you <laughs> because that means they're not, they're just, they're there because somebody's asked them to be there. We would do these things at the Entrepreneur Center. We'd have 500 um, investors and VCs in this big room. We do an auditorium. And the ones to watch out for weren't the ones that were sitting there smiling or really interested like that. You want the person who's doing this, who who is disengaged from, from, they're thinking about themselves and they're thinking about their wife or their husband or they're thinking yeah, about the people yeah. back in the office because. They're going to be thinking, is this going to be something I'm going to be embarrassed to take back to them? Is this so you want to you want to look at things like this or they're they're rubbing on their face or or, or doing do what Joe Navarro calls facial denting or uh, facial distortion. Well, that also be uh, sometimes uh, sometimes they will. You would think that's one of the things, but they wouldn't be doing this. Most of the time, they're going to be thinking like this: their legs are going to be crossed, everything's going to cross up on them because they're they're thinking inside. They're having internal dialogue. Yeah, those are the people right, you yeah. want to go for. Because those are the people who are thinking about what you just said. They're thinking, is this thing going to work in three to five years? How's this going to mm -hmm. look in the next year and a half? When I go back and when I go home and tell my wife or I tell my husband that I'm putting $1.2 million in this or $300,000 or $25,000 in this, are they going to see me on the news the next day getting beaten to death in the driveway because I've given somebody $25,000? 
Yeah. So you've got yeah. to, you've got to take, or am I going to lose my job because I take this back to the office? And they're like, have you lost your mind? This guy's selling, you know, kitten boots. That's great. You know, so you, you don't want to, um, you want to make sure the person you're looking at is, is, is thinking. And there are things you can see on people that, you know, they're thinking. That's the most important thing to, to be looking for when you're pitching. Because most people so would about, ignore those people that look like that. What about being really persuasive uh, in, uh, you know, influence and persuasion? I've had a look in that area, but what would be uh, like an ideal solution for someone that uh, is learning and is going, uh, like, I really want to understand how I can be more persuasive by my body language and influential in, in the in an integral organic natural sort of state as much as they've probably learned all this behavior behind it but uh, mm -hmm. how would you teach someone to do that uh, in a professional sense as opposed to anything else well you, you teach them to be the one in charge a lot of people are they'll just get up and pitch and it's like this little show they do and they sit yeah. down and it's over but you have to be the one that's in charge at that point so in a way you're telling people what to do and words you use will be suggesting them to invest in you or suggesting to them that this is the best thing that they, they don't take. If they don't do this, somebody, it's fine if they don't do it because somebody else is going to do it and you're still going to get the money. But if you want to do it too, come on in, you know, we need you. That's the, yeah. and, and there are things you can tell them and say that instead of little, what I call these little viruses in your mind that are often they start thinking that they're, they're thinking and talking out here, but subconsciously they're thinking, shoot, maybe I should do this. And you can tell those things that have, have rooted in there and are, and are firing by the questions they ask you. It takes yeah. a while to explain how to go about doing them. If there are specific things you can do and say to make those those um, situations and examples I'm giving you happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you, you get them, you, you begin to influence the way they uh, think about you and what you're, mm -hmm. what, you're, what you're trying to pitch them, product, service, whatever it is. Yeah, because that's, that's a, also a fascinating area because I know your breath is also a, a giveaway whether you breathe from up here or whether you breathe from the gut and mm -hmm. I, I remember being taught if you breathe in like that and just talk out in the breath and then it sort of calms and slows things down a little bit until you've stopped and then it sort of pace your breathing and everything else like that because I find that quite fascinating in, in that sort of sense so when you're in front of um uh, just say uh hypothetically a criminal uh, and all that, mm -hmm. and you're you're sort of interrogating them in sort of a nice way. How do you spot that they're lying? Uh, what, what, what's you, what do you do? And you can also sense that in a sort of a business sense as well, because when you're at a presentation and you're asking some questions to whoever, uh, criminal or business, uh, I'm sure there's a liar in both of them. Uh, how would you spot oh, yeah. what are the indications? Let's, let's say it's a business situation. One of the things that, that I get hired to do are, are fine con the con there, the grifter in a, in a financial uh, institution or in a big, in a big company as someone yeah. who's dealing with the money and, and, and I'll meet with people just to talk to them and make sure they're who they say they should be. A great example I always use is a guy that now at the entrepreneur center, we would have people come in and, and they'd want to be mentors. So I would, I would vet these people who want to be mentors and talk to them and make sure yeah. they were who they said they were and see if yeah. they're showing me anything that says they're, they're not being honest or they're, they're, predators in other words so one of the great examples that i would use when i'm explaining how to do that or go about doing that is um there was a guy that came in one time and, and sometimes they they want to be part of another company they'll say here's what all i've done and i'd like to be a part of another company and maybe i can help yeah. them but what they're doing is they'll get in and they will uh 
start getting rid of people and be in charge and try to kick the main person out and try to take that that company over. And I've seen it happen too many times to, to yeah. I mean, maybe from 2011 to 2017, when I was at the Entrepreneurship Center, it doesn't sound like a lot, but maybe once a year I would see that. <clears throat> I, would, I would catch somebody doing that. that. Someone would come to me and say, we've hired this guy. He's come in. Will you just watch us talk to him? And I'd say, here's, here's what he's, let me tell you what he said and what he's been doing before you tell me anything about him after I've watched him. And I would say, he's done this. And they're like, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what's happening. Well, here's how you get rid of him. So the guy, a guy comes in and uh, the guy that ran the entrepreneur center at the time was named Michael Burcham. Great guy, great entrepreneur, really, really smart, sharp guy. And this guy came in and, he, and somebody said, so he, this guy's here to meet with you. He wants to, to maybe work with a company. I said, okay. So I start talking to him. And one of the first things out of his mouth was, um, I've, I had a company and we, we sold it for million, hundreds of millions of dollars. And all he did yeah. was talk about money. When someone, when they open up talking about money, that usually means they don't have any money or, or something's yeah. not right there. That's the first thing I listen for is how long, because I just start talking to them. Where are you from? What do you do? I don't get near money because they're, they're the first ones to start bringing it up. And that's all they talk about. Something's not right there. And I can, and that's almost across the board. So the, one of the first thing he said was, I had this company and we did this and this and sold it for this many millions of dollars. And I feel like I can come into another company and make this many millions of dollars. And so I would just sit there and listen. And when someone is is locking eyes with you and they're telling you something like that, if they're if I was telling you this and I was like, Jason, listen, we can make millions of dollars because here's what I've done. I've learned how to do this, this, and this. And as I go through that, I don't blink much and I don't I don't look away very much. Mm-hmm. That person most likely people are under the impression that someone who's lying to you or, or being deceptive, that they'll break eye contact. Well, that's the last per- thing they're going to do for that person is break eye contact because they want to keep looking at you to make sure you believe them and to make sure you've got, they've got your attention. So, so would they be looking time, away and going like that? Like it, Steve, you want it, to look? No, it wouldn't be anything big, but they should be able to look down and think and, and like this. And they're, you know, those types of things as they're talking to you, if they don't, it's unnatural. It doesn't yeah. look right. And and women are so good at spotting those things. It's ridiculous. Most of the people that, that the companies would come to me, it was a girl in the company that said, there's something not right about this guy. I don't know what it is, but something's just not right about him. They, oh, yeah, whatever. But then, but then if it was a girl CEO and she or, or a woman CEO, they would come up and say, look, we will talk to this guy. Something's not right. Something, and they wouldn't know what's right. They just know something isn't right. Yeah. And that gut feeling you have is correct most of the time that may not be something huge that you can get rid of them for but something to address if you feel mm-hmm. if you feel odd about those things and it goes from ages like i was saying from girls all the way up to, to women you know and girls being you know high school college those types of things and uh but they're, they're the ones that usually spot it because they feel it first they feel we can get yeah. into the intricacies of the the brain and all that and talk about how, why they do, or, or the, the, the theories, why they do the studies, but this be horrifically boring, but there are plenty of them. If you're into it, let me know. I, I was going to say, actually, um, uh, the likes of, uh, I'm going to suggest Trump, but the likes of actors and all those sort of people, they've been sort of been crafted to do things in a certain way. Is there any other indication that you can spot what they're thinking of or what's going on in their head as much as they're doing this, that, and the other, or, or they're doing the steepling. And I, I've seen some of your um, your podcasts and your videos and you dissect uh, a, a bit of Trump 
and then you done Prince Andrew, mm -hmm. and then you done a few others, and you, you literally only had I don't know, it was about ten seconds or twenty seconds of it. What was your gut feeling, and what what were you learning about these people, and what do you think they're they're, they're they've obviously had a coach, and they've had a, a a speech coach, and they've had this that and the other. So you must be going a level above that, or what what are you noticing? Well, the, the first thing you notice is things that a lot of people can tell you, oh, I've been coached. But the thing is yeah. to to look at what they've been told and coached to do. Because yeah. uh, Greg Hartley, one of the guys on the behavior panel, he was an, in, uh, he, he was an instructor in uh, not only would you be interrogated, he was a resistance to interrogation instructor. So if you're interrogated, what to do to make sure you didn't have information, those types of things. Those are the things you look for. I can't tell you what those are. Greg, no, no, has, no, no. Greg, Greg trains the military in that, but there are specific yeah. things you look for to see if someone, uh, a high end trainer has said, here's what you want to do. Here's what you don't want to do. Add this movement, add this thing to what you're doing. Because when you see someone setting up their story, because that's, that's what they're trained to do is set up. Here's how you set up your story. So it sounds truthful. Here are the things you do. You'll see almost these setups they'll use to do the, to do these things. It's one thing to show an entrepreneur how to do this and, and when to do this and, and when to come forward and then how to act like they're listening. It's another thing to show someone how to lie, how to to um, manipulate someone. And in those situations, that's what that's what they've been trained to do, because as they get a question, then they will manipulate that person to ask a question a different way or to believe another answer. Um, Anthony Weiner, the guy that got in trouble for uh, in America for um all kinds of, you know, um, a, a lot of sexual stuff that he got in trouble for having, you know, the, the wrong kind of pictures on his computer and, and talking to people underage and those types of things yeah, to try to connect yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah. Um, he was a perfect example of that. He didn't know exactly what to do, but everything he's doing wrong just pops right out at you. And most people don't see it, but women will say something's not right about that guy because all the women were like, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. I got more people, more women asking me about that than, than any other thing anybody's asked me about. Everybody knew there was something that was wrong, but they want to know, why do I feel this way? And they would say, why do I feel this way? Because their brains, there's yeah. one part of your brain called the fusiform gyrus. And that's the thing that, that, that collects all the little tiny things your body does and your face moves and all those things. Yeah, women yeah, gather yeah. those up dramatically better than men do. They get women's intuition, the most powerful thing on, on earth compared to men's gut feeling. We get gut feeling, but women get this. They have this incredible ability to gather all this information about a person that they're seeing or talking to or listening to and they are just, and just being around. And that's where they get that feeling. That's what they were seeing on him are the things that he wasn't trained to do that he was that he was letting loose. But someone's going to train you. You'll see that they've been trained to uh, to respond a specific way. To, to wait a certain amount of time or to do something else as you're during that. You'll see these things yeah. happen as they answer questions. And there, there's oh, also a, a direct correlation uh, between the, the stomach, the heart, and the head. Uh, and the, I think it's the vagus nerve uh, that goes all the way from mm -hmm. the stomach to the head. And apparently that's, that's got a lot of, uh, they say it's your gut feeling as opposed to your head feeling, which is uh, uh, usually the rational brain and all of that sort of stuff. I was uh, when I was younger, I was always told to trust my gut, and that's mm -hmm. the first response that you should always trust, as opposed to yeah, whatever going on up into the neocortex and everything else is well, waffling around in your head. Which is here's uh, the way that here's the way that works, and why it's what you're here's the way that the gut feeling works. And you say, listen to your gut, it does have everything, everything 
begins with and is executed by the brain. Everything, yeah. everything we do. Yeah. And when you're talking about so a gut feeling, you have you meet someone, you have a meeting with them. I want to hire you, or we want you to, to buy our product or whatever. Or we want to go into business with you. We're going to do this great yeah. deal. And it seems really great for you. What happens is we talked about the fusiform gyrus that collects all the little things. Then you have another little part here in your brain, about a quarter inch in that, that collects information, collects the bigger stuff. The, yeah. the, the bigger stuff. And it sends all this, these things back to a little spot in the back of your brain, about as big as a BB, called the locus ceruleus. And when it gets all that information, it starts comparing everything you're seeing to everything you've ever seen before, everything you've ever done before, everything you've ever heard before. In every situation you've been in, it just starts comparing it to everything. And that's what starts giving you. And it doesn't know what's wrong yet. It just says, hmm, something's just not right about this yet. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You have a friend come over who's been uh, a friend of yours from college or the military or whatever. And they come and visit you and, and they eat or what are they going to do? And you have supper and you haven't seen him for a long time. And, and your wife seems to like him and you haven't. And, but you really like this guy because you're friends from college way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as, as the night goes on, everything seems fine until that person leaves. And just as the door shuts, your wife looks at you and says, don't you ever bring the guy back in this house again. And you say, why? What, what's wrong with him? And she'll say, I don't know. It's just something I don't like about him. And that's, that's happens quite often because they're, they've gathered up all this information. This person's either been uh, looking places he shouldn't have looked, not necessarily on her, but around your room in an odd way. They just didn't, there's just something just wasn't right. And they'll gather that stuff up and it all goes back to locus ceruleus. And that's what tells them something isn't right in that yeah. situation. And then that's the women's intuition. That's where it comes from. And the other things are, are physiological effects of having those feelings. So a lot of times yeah. you'll, when something scares you, you'll feel like it's in your stomach, but it's really your, your adrenal glands being, you know, firing off a bunch of adrenaline and the things that happen, uh, not just neurologically, but physically as you go through that situation that, that mm -hmm. make you uh, feel that way. So I agree with it with a lot of stuff about the vagus nerve, those things, but it all starts with the brain. Of course. Well, that's, that's the, where the most functions are. I, I mm -hmm. just heard, there's also a, a uh, obviously whatever powers the engine, I, I say the stomach is the engine. So whatever you're powering that in with good foods and everything else, it gives you better clarity in the head because you're mm -hmm. eating the blueberries and you're eating the, 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 you know, when you eat a McDonald's and you, you, you feel like crap the next day, or you feel literally yeah. 10 minutes afterwards, you, you, uh, I think it's your blood sugar levels go up and uh, you get way. And then you just yeah. go uh, all the yeah, way down. Correct. Um, how, how would you sort of, um, uh, some, uh, political person or, uh, a, um, uh, a celebrity or something like that, uh, when you find them really difficult to read for whatever reason, um, uh, say Prince Charles or, or, or someone else like that, when they're just like, I, I can't quite read them. I don't know what is going on with them, uh, there's something going on, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Have you had any examples like that where you just go, I don't know? Yeah, yeah, there, there, you, there's, it's always like that for me because it, I, people, I guess people think you can, you can turn off your, your ability to want to look at, to observe people and see if they're, what they're saying is true and all that, you know, and well, I'll tell you, yeah, you can do, you can do it at home, you know, you can do yeah. it with your friends. But if, if you're with your friends and as soon as somebody says something weird or odd, every little thing turns on, you're like, huh, ah, tell me more about that. So, it's sometimes you'll see actors are really good at acting. And when they're, let's say they've been accused of something and they're trying to tell you they didn't do it and you can see them acting, 
You know what I mean? Because people people don't all act the same, but as a human animal, there are specific things we do most of the time that you'll see on most yeah. people. Body language is, isn't a, a an exact science. You know, what, what, what we do as interrogators and train people to do is when you ask questions, see what the reaction is. And then if it looks odd, know what the next question is to ask and you can keep asking. So <clears throat> if it looks like they're not being honest, you'll know which direction to go in. It's not like, oh, you're a liar. So with yeah. actors that use, use or take Prince Andrew, somebody like that was a such that was such an easy one though. That was a so that's I such think a simple. Saw Most, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of people won't see the specifics of what it is. But if you watch, we did one, uh, we did a video on Prince Andrew. Uh, we did, I think we did two of them actually. Yeah. And when you watch that, you just get this feeling, of, and it's just that feeling you get if you don't know what to look for. So everybody yeah. else sees that and goes, I, I can tell our comments. We get so many comments and everybody's like, he's a liar. They don't know why. They don't care why. <laughs> They're just saying, you're right. I get to say, I feel that and, and makes them feel better about knowing what makes them feel that way, I think. So with actors and people who've been set up to do that, you can always tell because they're they're just acting. When you see them acting on TV, everything you've got somebody who's who's a director who's watching, make sure everything goes the way it should, that they're doing making people believe and do the things they're supposed yeah. to do. Whereas in real life, if they try to act, it takes them out of their being a normal human into the actor space. Yeah. So that's yeah. what's so odd about that. But I, I was thinking of that while, while you're talking, um, but he set himself up for disaster anyway, because we all know he was a party boy anyway. We all know that there was that documentary out already. So it's like standing in court where everyone knows already about that person. And they pointed him already to be guilty. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. and he stood up and uh, and went on te uh, national television just to say how innocent he is. But everyone thought immediately that he was guilty. You know, it was yeah. that re reverse. It was just a ridiculous thing for him to do just to protect. Yeah. And you know, you tell someone don't do that, and what do they do? They go and do it, or tell my kids not to run across the road. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They run across the road and uh, get run over. It's Mm -hmm. I think it was in his internal dialogue was must have been just going ballistic. I don't know what. So uh, I've actually got a funny question for you anyway. So um, where would be your creative space? How would you sort of uh, sit back and kick back and relax and just like calm down with your thoughts and just rationalize everything and go, well, what else can I learn? What else can I do? How, how can I see something and how can I design something or what other research do I need to do? I think we spoke about other research and uh, of neuroscience and all of that sort of stuff. What do you do to just like mm -hmm. kick back and go, how can I reflect? I've got a place at my house, my office, and, and actually when we do the uh, behavior panel, that's the chair I sit in because I've, I've got a little desk there, just like this one. And uh, when I'm there, that's what I do. I sit there and, and go over whatever research or read whatever books I'm going to read. That's that little spot right there. And it's in my office, which is in our, we have a, a basement in our house. That's the filled out, you know, it's, it's a, it's another floor. It's just underground. And so that's, that's where all my stuff is. So I go in there and it's sort of my floor, I guess, because my wife doesn't you know, come down there to do anything or, or anything. So it's, that's where I usually do everything. So I can listen to what I want to listen to and make as much noise as I want and read whatever <laughs> I want to read and call whoever I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all actually right there in that spot you're seeing on, on those videos. That's exactly where I'm sitting. That's exactly where I do all that because I've got all just above that. I've got my whiteboards and those types of things of what I'm um, what's up next, what I'm supposed to be 
working on or what what I'm going if I have a court case or something because I'm a trial consultant. If I'm doing court, I have that up there. And across the room, I have a bunch of of, of sticky notes and and um, three by five cards stuck on the wall or stuck on these cork boards over there as well for the same type of stuff. So when I'm in there, I can just look around and say, okay, here's that. It's sort of like my command center. I do everything from that chair right there. So oh, I like say you're you're on uh, the uh, Starship Enterprise there, and uh, you're in charge of your own ship. It's it's your man then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without without all the, I'm a big drinker or anything. So it's like without all those <laughs> things that, that guys always do. It's like an, uh, I don't see myself as a nerd, but all the it's all it's mostly books, you know, and yeah. papers. So. Mine's all digital now. I've got a few books behind me, but they're really just for show because oh, I've got a whole load of other books, but really it's all digital now. So it's very difficult oh, to yeah. show a screen of, of all the audible stuff that I have. And when I go to a, a run and I, Do you have a Kindle? I, I do. Uh, well, I have a, I, I use my tablet uh, and I, I use my phone. So I just plug in my, uh, like I did today, uh, I, I listened to an audio book um, and I just like, I listen to it and I go, okay, I'll take notes and I listen to it again and take some more notes and go, well, what can I learn from this? And I go, this is awesome. I like that. And yeah. uh, I just uh, read Jane's clear book about habits. Uh, hmm. And that's really phenomenal. That's uh, how yeah. to uh, get some really phenomenal habits. And I just printed out all of his stuff as well. So I'm an avid learner in that department. So oh, uh, another funny Another funny question for you, actually. I was watching a movie with Jamie Foxx uh, on Netflix. I'm going to say Netflix. Big uh, mm-hmm. uh, up for a bit. And um, the the it was almost like Limitless. I don't know if you've ever seen Limitless, but it's similar to that. So um, uh, Jamie Foxx was after these criminals and this, that, and the other. But the, the criminals had these magic pills. Um, but the magic pills, when you turn them, they, they swallow them. And they combine your DNA to some sort of superpower, uh, whatever that power might be. Uh, I could be Iron Man. I could be running uh, through walls and I could be clairvoyant or whatever it might be. But you don't know until you have it. If you were to have one and you knock it back, what would you like it to be? And But you only have five minutes of this superpower, whatever it could be. What would you use it for? How do you use it? And when would you use it? And I don't know. It could be absolutely anything. what happened i don't know i was going oh well, that, that must have must have been my telepathy there but that's all right uh i delete I, i'll go back and edit okay what sorry man. so um did you get some of my question there so um you just started and then you froze and then it was then, then now we're back <laughs> so a couple minutes later back in the room. so my question was uh uh watch this movie with jamie fox he was like uh some investigator or whatever and he's after the baddies uh the baddies had these sort of process magic pills that give you a superpower and it lasts for five minutes but it goes to your dna so you Mm. don't know what it actually is until you actually you could be four times the size you could be as strong as the hulk or you could have these clairvoyant things or whatever it might be if you had that what would that be and how would you use it but you only have five minutes to use it in and 
could it be? Uh, I don't know. That's the question. Oh, and I could, and I could, and I would be able to use, and I could pick the specific one. Well, you uh, for this scenario, yeah, you pick a specific one, and how would you use it? Oh, I would pick observation. I'd, I'd pick being able to to see everything on a person. I mean, I try my best to do that already, but everything in, in what what I do begins with with observation. So I would want to see even the smallest things that happen. We look at micro expressions and those types of things, but I'd want to be able to zero in on those and be able to like get up close to somebody and really, you know, so maybe being invisible or something. But I think I think being able to to maybe magnify my observation skills on somebody would be the thing to do, so I can get up closer to them and and see the way they look, see what their face is actually doing, what these little movements are that they're doing, and be able to see if they're breathing a little heavier, those types of things. So that would be observation, probably. So your heightened awareness of everything, like the breath, uh, you can just micro-see the, the expressions, micro-see everything, and uh, be yeah. uh, like a clairvoyant on steroids or something like that and read their minds. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you might yeah. give something like that, but that's uh, you'll be the next next thing up there. So that'd be absolutely yeah. incredible. So uh, look, it's been absolutely fascinating. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I'd love to have you back at uh, another stage yeah. and um, really know. thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, um, just let me know. Yeah, I will do. Like today's just been uh, inspirational. It's been extremely educational, and I'm fascinated with what you do because what you do, I want to learn. And the more I can learn, the the more I know how to improve myself. And like we we spoke about uh, earlier on, how do how can people find you for sort of um, learning more and understanding what you do and everything else? Well, I have a my website, scottrouse.com, S-C-O-T-T-R-O-U-S-E.com. You can go there. And then Greg Hartley, uh, one of the other guys on the behavior panel, this, he and I created a course called uh, bodylanguagetactics.com. So if you go there, oh, you, can, yeah. you can take that. It's yeah. um, And it's it goes from the, the – we don't start where it's real stupid and, and super simple, but we start where it's simple, where everyone can understand it. That's you know anyone from a teenager to to an adult, and I actually have a lot of people that I've trained in what I do in interrogation. Those things actually go and take that course as well. And it's only it's not that long. I mean, it's supposed to be five weeks, and you get a, a lesson every day for five weeks. But we sort of took that off because people are like I can't wait for the next one. You're supposed to wait for the next one, but people would, would just do that and then, and then couldn't wait for it. So we've let, made it so you can get every lesson if you want to do it all in in, a, in one sitting. If, if that's possible, you could do that. But we suggest you do it, take it one lesson at a time. Wait, take one today and do one tomorrow because they're not very long. Some people yeah. do do lessons that are like an hour long. Ours are anywhere from three minutes to I think twelve minutes is the longest one. But you get PDFs, and there are are, are MP3s you download to put in your phone, and you can listen to when you're walking around. So you get. Wow. I talk about the it, mostly on the video stuff. Well, it does about I guess it's fifty fifty. And when you download the the MP3s. It's says 50-50 again. Greg is, is talking about the same things we talked about without using the recordings from the video. We talk about it a different way. So you get, not only do you get the visual part and somebody explaining it to you, you get explained to you one more time by someone different. If Greg does a video, then I'll do the MP3 uh, version of the audio version of that subject. Mm -hmm. So you get a different tape, but you get the same information about that piece, whether it's adapters or illustrators or whatever the, the subject would be that we're talking yeah. about. 
So I, I like the idea of small chunk sizes because that's how I learn in smaller chunk size. And apparently from what I've read and from what I understand, uh, the, the brain gets a little bit distracted after a period of time. I think there's a 25-minute yeah. rule, then you need a five-minute break, uh, 25 minutes, and then you do that for two hours, then, then you mm -hmm. reward yourself with a cup of coffee or, or sandwich or whatever yeah. it might be. But that's yeah. that's a perfect yeah. way of learning. Uh, that's absolutely awesome. Oh, Look, I thanks. really appreciate your time today, and I know your time is precious, uh, like us all, but again, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I mean, anytime you want to do this, just let me know, you know. If I've got whatever the, the hour, two hours is, we'll, we'll hang out. And then give me 30 minutes before so we can goof around for 30 minutes and then we'll Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We can goof around and have a laugh so, beforehand. That's okay. awesome. Okay, great, man. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of the Mindful Leadership Podcast with your host, Jason Cooper. If you want to find more, please subscribe. And if you want to connect with me, it's jcooper at jasoncooper.ie. Appreciate you listening to the full version of this.